Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Best Fit Body Podcast. I'm Elle, and I have Jules with me today. Jules, how's it going? Hey, it's going great, Elle. I'm glad to be here, and um, I'm excited about launching into some of our frequently asked questions. That's what this podcast is kicking off, but I'm doing great. I, I think it's the fall and everybody's starting to feel the change in seasons wherever you are. And people are looking at things a little bit more proactively, like how can I really step forward with taking charge on some of these health and fitness goals that we're here to help them with. So I'm very energized. Yeah, so am I. I love the fall. I love it. It's September now. We are, I mean, where did... 2020 go it's like I can't even joke about it anymore because it's just it's too real like the whole year has been has been kind of kind of crazy so I'm excited to today we're going to talk about uh, a frequently asked question which is alcohol and fat loss and how do I track alcohol should I be drinking alcohol is alcohol going to change my body composition What's the deal with all that? So let's get into it. Jules, I want to I want to hear your honest take on someone who wants to lose fat, lose weight, change their body composition, but they don't want to give up alcohol because you've worked with many clients for many years and this has come up more times than you probably can count. So what's your honest honest take on it? Like in the most blunt way possible. <laughs> in the bl most blunt way possible. I joke with a lot of our clients or people that ask me the question is, I wish I could wave that magic wand and have alcoholic beverages have absolutely no impact on your health and well-being, and yet still it allow you to enjoy the adult beverage. But the answer is, nah can't happen. It is really, honestly, it is probably one of the questions that either a client will come out and say, well, what about alcohol? Or just avoid the conversation completely. Is it really 100% going to be something that you have to give up? Absolutely not. We have to look at each person individually. But again, you can expect that it's going to have some major impact on your health and fitness along the way. Right. And so with that being said, it doesn't mean that this entire episode is going to be, nope, you can't drink. Nope, you can't do this. Uh, because we understand that it's a social and enjoyable thing for a lot of people. And it's not something that even myself, unless I am in a very, very, very strict phase, which is possible. So you can choose to be in a strict phase where you say, oh, no, I'm just going to cut it out because, you know, my health goals are important or my fitness goals are important. Or you can find ways to make it work. So we're going to talk today a little bit about alcohol, a little bit about how it is metabolized. We're going to talk about what it does to the body. And we're going to talk about what happens after you ingest alcohol and how that can impact your success with your goals involving nutrition and goals involving exercise. You said that magic word, <laughs> goals. And the reason why goals are so important is that is going to be that often that determining factor 
to answer the question is, should I consume alcohol if I am working on improving my health and fitness? And then the second part is, if I choose to have some alcohol, how do I go about this uh, being informed and using it sparingly and, and appropriately? So looking at where you are and what you're willing to do to get to where you want to be, is alcohol going to be a make or break thing? And for some people, alcohol could be the make or break thing. Some people consider alcohol to be this fourth uh, macronutrient, although it has no nutritional value. So although it is something that contributes to calories, it's actually 7.1, we'll round it to seven calories per gram of alcohol, you have no nutritional value that comes with that. Clearly out there in podcast land, you couldn't see my little smirk going on my face when Ellen mentioned it. Some people consider it a macronutrient. I don't consider it a nutrient at all. It would be the same to me, my perspective, you ask my opinion. It's the same thing as saying I'm going to go and have, you know, uh, a half a cup of sugar. I, I, that's just an arbitrary number I'm picking, but it's the kind of thing that sugar is going to give you carbohydrates. It's going to give you energy, but nutritive value beyond energy, it's not giving you anything else. So I look at things like, alcohol as being extra calories, but it's not providing you anything but energy. And uh, so there's a different time and place depending, again, back to the goals. Right. Well, and that's the point of it is that it is, it contributes calories, but no nutritional value, unlike the other groups of things that we consume that are metabolized by the body. So uh, what, what do you think? What do you think someone should do? Should they track alcohol? If, if they're consuming it, should they say, no, I'm just going to not track anything? What do you think? If you are putting the effort in to make choices that is going to propel you towards a goal. Let's so, say fat loss. Okay. So if your goal is to, to have fat loss and you are manipulating your food intake or your food awareness um, of what you're consuming, you absolutely have to own up to the consumption of everything, whether it is cookies or it is a shot of tequila. In, and I think that for people who say, oh, I only, you know, I'll eat my my healthy foods, my clean foods, or foundation foods, as we call them. Um, but then they're not being honest about their alcohol, or they'll say, uh, I had three or four drinks over the weekend. Well, it's a three or is it four, you need to be accountable for it. So if you choose to put it down on paper or enter it into a food tracker on your smartphone, your body is still consuming it. So you have to own up to the responsibility of consuming anything that you're consuming, you know, anything you're drinking or eating. So you, my flat out answer is you absolutely should track it. Now, the next part of this question that I am asked very frequently, <laughs> how do I suggest people track that their um, alcohol consumption? So um, first of all, you have to look at what is the alcohol that you're consuming? For example, if you have an ounce of vodka and you're having just the straight ounce of vodka, that's one thing. But say you're going to have vodka and cranberry juice. Well, then you also have the macronutrients from the cranberry juice. Okay. So not only do you have to track the 
alcohol, but you also have to track any mixers that you might have, okay? So track the cranberry juice, but then what do you do with this one ounce of alcohol? So, you know, when you enter things into something like my fitness pal, it will give you a whole bunch of different entries. And this is where it can get confusing. Some of the entries might give it in fat grams and some of the entries might give it in carbs and some might give it kind of split. I just make it simpler for everybody and say, just track the calories because since it does not give you anything of nutritive value but calories, why do you want to take up space when you could have food that also gives you vitamins, minerals, um, it can give you uh, fiber, it can give you all sorts of other things that if you say had that 100 calories that you're not going to get. So why would you replace 100 calories of nothing with 100 calories of maybe 20 grams of carbs, it's going to give you 10 grams of uh, or eight grams of fiber, for example, a slice of bread. So just so I'm clear, so you're saying that if someone is going to drink alcohol, say they have, uh, say it's vodka and cranberry juice, for example, you would say, just add the 100 calories from the, the cranberry juice, you have to add that to the carbs. But you're saying you would rather someone eat all of their food and accept the fact that alcohol is going to be higher calorie than their daily intake should be, but it's the best way to ensure that you're also staying healthy and hitting your, your nutrients, your macros, your fiber. You got it. You got it. Because there are people who consume a significant amount of alcohol that they, and we'll get into this a little bit more, that their weight actually goes up, or people who consume significant amount of alcohol that they don't eat as well, but they maintain or maybe even be underweight. But you can be malnourished and still be a quote unquote normal weight, healthy weight, overweight. Okay. So malnutrition, and, and this is something that's very important to me as somebody with that dietetics education and experience, I'm always looking at that calories are not always created equally because they have different nutritive values. So this is very important, especially for those men and women who might be eating consistently at a deficit. So we're already diving into maybe under eating in some of the essential vitamins and minerals because of our food choices. It is that rudder, you know, that's going to keep us on that path to nu nutrition health as well as that weight health. And I think those are two things that really sometimes gets lost in the bigger picture of things when people say, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to go on this fad diet or I'm going to, you know, eat keto or I'm going to eat, you know, some other sort of extreme food you know, component elimination that, um, you know, we, we want to make sure that you're going about your choices, picking the things that are going to fuel you to the, the best. So this also becomes very eye opening when somebody says, well, I don't understand. I'm hitting my macros, but I'm not losing weight. Then I say, well, what is your total energy intake? And they go, oh, well, you know, I am consuming 300 calories three or four times a week in Extra. a glass of wine or two glasses of wine three times a week. And we'll get into that a little bit more with energy balance. Right. Well, I'm so glad that you brought up 
the health aspect of the the drinking and the malnutrition. Uh, and I'm going to link this study in the show notes. But uh, in a 2010 study, non-drinkers, moderate drinkers, and heavy drinkers, they were testing their body fat percentages and comparing them uh, amongst the different levels of drinkers versus non-drinkers. And they found that non-drinkers and moderate drinkers had similar levels of body fat, uh, but the people that were drinking in excess had uh, lower levels of body fat, um, but they also had a higher uh, waist-to-hip ratio, which puts them at risk for cardiovascular disease, obesity, type 2 diabetes, a lot of other issues and illnesses that can come from the malnourishment from drinking the alcohol. So yeah, they may have a lower body fat, but the way that it's stored in their body is actually causing more issues to their general health. Absolutely. You know, in that intra abdominal fat is a indicator of higher risk for many diseases, uh, you know, cardiovascular disease, uh, type two, type two diabetes, um, certain cancers as well, you know, and it is that sort of classic thing of somebody who has the big beer belly, belly fat. So, and that's the internal fat that lines the, um, all the internal organs. And as you get older, you know, when you're young, you don't have quite as much the, and then as you get older, even if, you know, you're a hundred percent on nutrition, working out, blah, 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 just as you age, it is a some degree protective mechanism to pad those internal organs. But when it pushes to, you know, tipping point, then it increases your risk. So if, you know, when we all are getting older, we cannot stop that process. So if, you know, you are consuming alcohol and through your life, and it's just going to increase your uh, potential incidence of, of uh, increasing that abdominal uh, exactly. Fat. And another factor, right, the intra-abdominal fat, right. And uh, another mention uh, that you had said about heavier drinkers, um, or even just people who drink in general, um, in this article, they discussed how the moderate and heavy drinkers were habitually less active, uh, leading to a whole host of other things. And you think about it, okay, on the weekends that you drink on Friday, how motivated are you to get to the gym on Saturday? I don't want to go into a lot of the, the crazy crib cycle of what happens biologically, but I do want to talk a little bit about um, the metabolic process. And, and some of you may have heard me talk about this in terms of like what happens when you drink alcohol, you know, so it goes into the mouth and many people don't uh, think about digestion starting until they, it gets into the stomach, but in your mouth, things start the process of, of being digested. Um, so, you know, simple sugars are started to start to be broken down with the saliva, and then it goes into the stomach, and then further steps along the way. But alcohol specifically, doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really get broken down too much until it gets into the stomach. But then it has a unique property of actually being transported partially directly through the stomach lining. So how many out there have had the experience where they're drinking and then suddenly they get sick? Well, there's a reason. The stomach lining is so irritated that all it wants to do is try to get rid of what's bothering it. So clearly, okay, now you know the next time that you're sick from drinking, your body's trying really hard to get rid of it. If you don't drink that much, the stomach lining starts to get irritated. It is 
gently irritated every time you have a consumed alcohol. So also over time, regular alcohol consumption can irritate the stomach lining, can cause stomach issues, you, you know, um, ulcers, things like that, um, potentially. It, so it does then, it, is, it transports itself through the bloodstream and it transports and it's metabolized and broken down into a form called acetate, which is an acid. And, and this happens in the, you know, during the process into the liver. Now, liver get, the liver gets a little confused because it is broken down as a carbohydrate, and, which is used as energy. And I'll get to that in a second. But excess is then stored as a fatty substance in the liver. So let's just hold off for a second on that, okay? Um, so say you've had some alcohol and your body's trying to metabolize it, all right? It hasn't quite, maybe you haven't had enough for it to be stored as fat because maybe you just didn't have an excessive amount. So your body tries to metabolize it for energy. And this is where it gets kind of interesting for those who are, um, exercising and they're thinking, well, I'll just burn off that alcohol. You know, I drank three, three beers and that was 360 calories or whatever. Um, I can, you know, go run a 5k or whatever. Anyway, long story short, <laughs> but believe it or not, it, it actually, um, has to burn off the acetate before it will delve into kicking your body into the normal process of metabolizing body fat for energy. So, and it does that acetate burning before it even goes to the normal carbohydrate depletion or glycogen. So it will first go and try to burn off that acetate. Then it will go and kick into the carbohydrate. Then when that is depleted to a certain point, your body's triggered into burning body fat. So you can see you've thrown an extra step in there, making it harder to burn off the alcohol calories. So I have a question. Yes. What happens when somebody is is drinking, maybe they've had four or five, six drinks, and then they binge eat, or they eat uh, an excess of calories at once? Well, that's a fantastic question. And the answer is, according to how physiologically the me metabolism happens, excessive calories, will be stored more aptly as body fat than it will just go into repleting your muscles. Maybe you had a real hard workout, right? And you're depleted your muscles and then you go and drink some alcohol and eat a good, you know, calorically dense, maybe very nutritionally packed meal, but excessive calories. Well, your body is gonna say, well, you know, I have to burn off this acetate first. And so I got all this extra energy that I know I can do. So I'm just going to store the food for later. So yes, you kind of start this potential for a snowball effect. Um, if you pair, you know, the drinking, which the drinking itself may be a surplus of calories of what you need. Um, so, you know, even for people who may be normally consuming food that's maintaining their body weight, but they do drink over and above. And that is specifically why I tell people who work with us that I recommend that you count the calories from alcohol as surplus. And then it will just give you a good perspective on the question is, why can't I make changes? Why do I not see the changes? Not saying it is always the alcohol, but it is often one that I have to scratch my head and say, well, what if we took alcohol away? And you just kept working out 
and you ate to your caloric needs, whether it's a deficit surplus or balance, often, you know, I mean, I've seen numerous studies showing that just working out three times a week, keeping your caloric level even, but dropping the alcohol that you can, you know, lose a couple pounds just by that. So, you know, how many of you have gone on vacation and, you know, maybe you just, you ate well, but you drank every day and maybe you're active. Maybe you were, you know, hiking and swimming and doing everything. You come home and you're back to your food intake. You're back to your routine and no alcohol for a couple of weeks. I usually say like two weeks after. Yeah. All those alcohol calories start to, you know, fade out there. So it, it is both scientific and anecdotal, meaning that this is from our experience. And, um, so again, we all enjoyed this alcohol <laughs> and it tastes wonderful. The beverage industry is huge and there's tons of marketing at low calorie, low carb, um, less alcohol. You know, there's lots of choices out there and, I, I, I'm not saying this to say never drink. I'm just saying we have to look at it and say, well, what are you willing to do to get the results that you want? Be informed. I like that you mentioned uh, a little bit about, I like to call it the boomerang effect, where the the alcohol consumption doesn't seem to be a problem, maybe like the first or the second week. Um, but if it continues uh, noticeably in the physiques of, of clients that I've had over the years, because that's the thing is that, you know, we have clients that have worked with us for years and years and years. And to say that they've never drank any alcohol or worked it into their plan would be crazy. And so it's not what we expect of our clients is to never drink the alcohol. So, uh, for example, I did have a client that that went on a trip. I can't remember how long it was, but I knew it. it had lots of alcohol and it was in between um, some prep phases and it was kind of in the middle of an off season, a little bit before prep was starting a little shorter prep. When they came back to start prep, they were in great shape. They were in, they were in really like we were in a great spot, but about a week or two in the body started to really fight us. It really was like, what, what are you trying to do? I'm not trying to diet right now. Like I don't want to budge. And you know, this is obviously just from experience and observation and kind of putting the things together. But um, what, hearing from the client that they're doing everything and physically us being like this plan in place that should should be working, it did bring me back to look at the time where she was drinking in excess. And that was the problem that was holding her back and her fat loss come a couple weeks later. So all in all, that's what I like to refer to as the boomerang effect. Of absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a boomerang effect for a lot of things. And, you know, um, genetically, and actually Elle shared with me an article that had a very interesting, I guess, summarization on the fact that um, not only you as an individual, but believe it or not, genetically, um, even coming down to like where your origins are, like, are you like ancestry.com type of thing, um, where your heritage is, what your nationality is, believe it or not, you know, those things, those genetic components have a greater pull on how your body is or is not going to respond to many different things. And alcohol is another one of those, but also individually, I have competition prep clients that, can consume 
alcohol and we again applying the same rules that it's over and above what their their macronutrient goals are and they can handle it very well and i have other ones that you know i i see them getting stuck and i say okay let's pull the alcohol automatically their body starts to respond very quickly so and there is a plateau level from that so i'm saying like so if you are you know typically consuming three glasses of wine a week and then you pare it down or take it away, you know, you're going to potentially lose some weight, but it just because you stay off of that doesn't mean that you're going to continue to have the results just because, but you're not going to rebound back. So, so realize it is one of those things that we look at in a little capsule, but what you're doing now is going to have an impact on you know, some, some time and a little more immediacy with the alcohol. So what you do today may have an effect in the next week or two. So if you're saying, well, okay, I, oh yes, I've lost three pounds because I didn't drink for a month. You go back to drinking. Well, that three pounds is going to creep back. So it's not like you've gotten rid of the problem. <laughs> so, you know, it yeah. is one of those things that you have to look at and say, okay, I have to review this periodically and, and, and be honest about it. You know, that's right. That's five to 10 pounds you lose and gain from your vacation. Throw some strategies out here. I always suggest that you drink double fisted. And so what that means is that you have your alcoholic beverage in one hand, and then you have a no calorie hydrating beverage in the other. Water, seltzer, but even if you're drinking a vodka soda, have a double fisted. And the, this is a big social play because one of the hardest things for people when they are drinking is they're typically drinking in a social situation. And if you're a guest or out with somebody, it is one of those things that if you have an empty drink in front of you, people are automatically, oh, she needs another one. Oh, you know, give them another one. So this way you can always say, hey, I'm hydrating. You know, this is my hydration drink. I need to, you know, I need to balance it out. But also if, and I remember sharing this with, um, I'm gonna, I shared this with my son when he was going off to college. And he said, well, you know, I'm not really a big beer drinker, but people keep throwing these beers in my hand. And I said, nobody knows how much beer you have in your, in your hand. So if you, in your can. So if you say, hey, I st still have this beer in my hand and you have some in it, you, you just have to say, I'm still finishing this. You know, so if you have something in your hand, you are somebody's less likely to pour, you know, more or give you more, you know, so it allows you to pace yourself. So if you're going to go to a social event and maybe it's a barbecue and you're there for four or five hours, you, you know, you start to drink one drink every 45 minutes. That's a lot of drinks. But if you say, I'm only going to have one drink every hour to, I mean, every two hours, you know, or every hour and a half to, you know, two hours, because you're pacing yourself your blood alcohol level is going to stay at a lower level. So number one, you're going to be less likely to consume even more because you're pacing yourself. So you might find that you just need a tiny bit to kind of relax you and that you don't need to drink at that fast rate. So, you know, kind of, um, and actually I think one of those little measure, um, one of those little um, calculators. calculators that we're going to post has a blood alcohol calculator and yes. it's a very interesting one. I plugged in a couple of numbers and um, it clearly, I'm not, I'm not a real big person and it takes very little for my blood alcohol level to go up. And I also 
don't drink frequently. So I know that a blood alcohol, even at a lower level, is going to make me feel a certain way. So this, this is just an interesting thing. So you can kind of see, well, what's the minimum amount that I can consume and still have the, you know, that sort of relaxed feeling that you might get from having a drink. Absolutely. And yeah, and, and that's the thing is that I, you can, you know, after all this, and we talked about the individual differences, um, there will be times where alcohol may not seem to affect you at all. And there'll be times where, you know, you're like, whoa, what, what's happening to my body? But it's, it's, an, it's accumulation of what else is happening in your life, whether maybe you're, you're very active and burning tons of calories during the time that you were drinking and you were feeling fine, you weren't gaining weight. Now your your lifestyle has changed and you're not as active and and that will show you that you're just not in a calorie deficit or main, or maintenance phase anymore that you've entered into a surplus. When sometimes I'll have somebody, you know, they're, they're honest with me and they say, you know, I really, um, I'm really not willing to give up, you know, a glass of wine on, on the weekends or, you know, and, and, and so this is where, you know, for a, a more of a lifestyle approach of balance, then you do have to look at it as like, okay, go back to, well, what is the minimum that's going to keep you happy on one side and accepting the consequences of that minimum? I mean, and, and that's the best way that I can explain it is that you just have, you're a grown up and, and it, you have to accept everything. It's just like, if you say, you know what, having a chocolate chip cookie every night before I go to bed is really important to me. Okay, well, then we have to understand that the results are going to be, you know, affected by all of your choices, whether and you know. and that comes under some accountability for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and that takes a lot, I think, for people to develop initially when they are, you know, looking to be healthier and kind of stepping into that next level of like, what else can I do? Um, which is which is everybody who's listening. It's always that. What more can I learn? What what else can I do? Um, but it is. It's being honest with yourself and being accountable. And you know that's why we love data so much. That's why you know everything that we track with our clients is data driven because we know that consistency with data. Um, proves results. And when we end up having, you know, something that doesn't match the data, we always know that there's another variable that we have to discover. And sometimes alcohol is that is that variable. Um, And so it it can be done, though, and everybody's different. But if you're somebody that is struggling, um, you know, given given this this way of tracking alcohol or possibly abstaining from alcohol will be a good way to help you reach your goals. Yes. I wanted to know your I wanted to know your real take because I've heard Jules get really passionate about alcohol before, and uh, <laughs> I'm very passionate about my scotch. She's, but <laughs> she's passionate. Well, not in the sense of her loving alcohol. Passionate about alcohol as the non fourth macronutrient. She absolutely apply. Yeah, yeah. no <laughs> so, place on that macronutrient parameter. <laughs> Nope. The only other thing that I will say is that uh, sign up just closed for the four weeks to fit uh, fall challenge, the September challenge. Uh, This one starts in a week, uh, but there are more to come if you missed this challenge. Uh, This one's real affordable. It's $69 for four weeks, and you can find out more details on that on our website. Uh, And the new date for the next challenge will be announced soon. But in the meantime, if you are interested in 
one-on-one -on -one coaching. We have several programs, including our basic training lifestyle program, which is a one-on-one uh, -on -one individual personalized coaching program. And uh, we also have competition prep programs if you are looking into the 2021 season. And lastly, we have our Looks Like a Competitor program, which is exactly like it sounds. It's a 12-week program that is very intense, but Coach Jules will take you along the way for reaching your maximum physique without having to step on a stage. Yeah, so all to, that. Oh, I'm just going to put a little plug in. Yep. I'm just interjecting the plug about the looks like a competitor um, program. And just this being a very wacky year for competition prep. Um, I've had a lot of people participate in this 12 week program with phenomenal results. And it is for the person who just really wants to push themselves to see what it's like to um, have big goals for a set period of time. And the uh, level of accountability is at the same level as a competition prep person. So it is a great opportunity for you to see what you're made of if this is something that um, anybody's interested in out there. Awesome. We'll talk to you guys soon. And thanks for listening. Bye, everyone.